Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. I'm Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. Thank you for joining us here on a Monday morning. Big week, Berm. There's a big old football game coming this Saturday, Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about that throughout the course of this week here on the podcast. But before we get to that, Berm and I are going to put a 41-7 win at Purdue to bed here on the Rewatch Podcast uh, Daily. Berm, you were... Uh, you were feeling differently about the game than I was. I think watch watching snap judgments after that game, you seemed a little like, uh, I don't know, like you, like you wanted a little more after that one. I think that it's important to understand the beauty of snap judgments is that it is full of emotion. Okay. It is from the field. It is understanding that the last quarter and a half of that game, I was standing there getting soaked watching crappy football being played. And so it's, <laughs> At that point, I lose the ability to be objective about this about the big picture of the game and how generally dominant Ohio State looked for the first three quarters. Um, but I felt like between Peacock's broadcast and the fact that the game took like way longer than it should have, and the weather and the way that the Buckeyes I don't mind if you take your foot off the accelerator like Ohio State did. I mind that when you take your foot off the accelerator, you start doing this with the wheel and start uh, <laughs> like running over the center line and hitting the guardrails. Like that's where I'm like, okay, that's that's different to me than taking your foot off the accelerator. And I think maybe with an offense that is relatively inexperienced still uh from as far as the the main players playing a lot of football and they really haven't to this point i i don't think that it's good to take the foot off the accelerator i think if you got your guys out there go for it and uh so it was just i was a little annoyed in the last 18 minutes of how things went because it's just like why are you here if you're not going out there and actually running your offense and you know doing the stuff you should do yeah, I th- I think that's actually a good point, and, and one one that it was a miserable second half of football, just like kind of boring, and yeah. you were out there in the elements, and not you know I was in my warm toasty office watching it, so we experienced it differently. Um, so I respect that, but two, yeah, Ohio State definitely did just sort of like I think pack it in a little bit once it got up, once it scored that first touchdown on the second drive or in the first possession of the of the second half, it was like okay, we're up, we're up by enough now. Let's not press this. But up until that I would, point, I, I'm going to tell you, Bill, I was walking behind the bench after one of Ohio State's defensive stops in the third quarter and a pair of starters on the defense were like, okay, that's game. Game's over. And it was like, <laughs> man, like it's seven minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, like we don't like you still have to stay mentally involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's also, I don't, it's not uncommon, I think, for uh, college age football players to feel that way, particularly when you, when you are on the road and the weather is miserable. So I'm not making too much of that, really. I don't really think that that means anything other than it was annoying, I'm sure, for you uh, to have to uh, be rained on while you were half, while you watched that. Yeah. Um, but bottom line, I, I, I came around towards the end of Snap Judgments. I want to be clear. I did say, yeah. you know, this is it. It's, you did. It's not a game people are going to look at and go, that's the end of everything. But, you know, I think that you can find ways to critique what Ohio State's doing because you are comparing them against a national championship standard. And that's the bottom line because someone once said that. All right. Let's do what we normally do on this year episode of the daily and go position by position. Uh, let's start with the quarterback play. I guess it's two guys this week. It's Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. what you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I feel better or worse. See, like you look at Kyle McCord 
And his numbers would have been better had there not been what I'm going to count as five drops because Xavier Johnson, that, that ball, I know it was unexpected that it got there, but no, nobody on the defense touched it, and it was a perfectly thrown ball by Kyle McCord, one of his better passes of the day. Um, you have the five drops, but he also had a number of balls where you're like, man, you got lucky. You got away with that one. What? Why are you throwing this? Why are you throwing off your back foot the entire first drive. I don't is his ankle bothering him more than we are led to believe because or is it was he just anticipating a Purdue pass rush that wasn't getting home yet at that point. He's dropping back that first drive if you rewatch it Bill like he's throwing the ball from 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage falling backwards. So like the the second pass play to Marvin Harrison which is like an 18 yard play, it ends up being like a 35 yard pass because he has to throw it like he's, I don't know what he's doing. The touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison on the first drive of the game. If you're playing against a defensive back or a cornerback that has any sort of closing speed or any sort of sense of where the ball is, it's probably going back a hundred yards the other way. And like, uh, like you see some of those throws, but then, you know, he, he hits Stover on a, on a really nice um, back shoulder throw later in the first quarter that he's, he, he just does a lot. It's just very inconsistent still. And I, I think that that's to be expected in a guy making his sixth career start um, with an offensive line that is still trying to feel itself out. I don't, I don't want to harp too much on the, the, what, you know, PFF would call the playoff or the turnover worthy plays, but multiple times in this game, multiple times every week so far, there's been guys who drop interceptions that Cal McCord throws right to him. And eventually that's going to catch up to you when you're playing against better competition. So again, like I'm trying to measure it against national championship standard while also understanding that this is a kid who's still figuring it out. Um, I think I, I only have one note about Devin Brown. And it's the second time this year he's made that sort of unbelievably beautiful deep shot down the sideline. He had the first one to Carnell Tate for a touchdown against Youngstown State. Um, when Devin Brown has a clean pocket and a chance to just set and throw in rhythm. Like you can see why, why that competition was close uh, throughout the spring and fall. I think the difference between the two guys is when they get sped up and, and that's where Kyle McCord's calmness elevates him, I think. But uh, I, I do have some just overall concerns about why the mechanical part of McCord looked so off for the most part on Saturday. I think that's a question worth asking Ryan Day when we talked to him on Tuesday. My, my read on that was that Purdue blitzed a lot and they blitzed like almost 80% of the time of on 80% of his dropbacks was like 78 point something percent, I think. And it did seem like he was anticipating that at times. And like, so, so like if that's the case, I don't know that I have much of a problem with it. It was noticeable. Like a, a lot of his throws were thrown off of his back foot and a few of them felt like maybe they could have had more zip or been like just a touch more accurate had he had he not been throwing off of his yeah. back foot. But but I I thought he had a pretty good game. Um, if you are tracking those turnover worthy throws, according to PFF, he had two of them in this game, and I think he does have at least one in every game, which is not a, a great uh, trend. Not turnover worthy throws, but he's also fumbled in every game and had an intentional grounding in every game that could have that two different yeah. times. I don't know why that's happening. No. Um, Happy birthday. <laughs> You know what's so here's a funny story about that uh, technology. I think because my computer, I'm using my phone as my camera, of course, uh -huh. like we like we do. And I think that FaceTime is using some sort of new reaction thing where if you make certain hand gestures, things happen, and apparently doing this um caused balloons to go. 
Neat. Uh, for those of you listening to this on uh, podcasts, be glad you missed it. Um, or uh, jealous. There's the there's the fumbles. There's the intentional groundings that have been overturned and multiple times that were ruled as fumbles. Like there's those things where you just gotta you just gotta clean it up. I'm not. I I, I like what you see on the common cord. 75% of the time, but the 25% when he does speed himself up or when he does start to feel a little frazzled, like you can see that, that there's an opportunity there against a good defense to really make him pay. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, I thought the throw to Cade, the back shoulder throw was a really good throw. Maybe his best throw of the day. The the ball down the seam, the Carnell Tate was like an easy throw, but like he ripped it and it was yeah. a good display of his arm strength. Me, I, I, do think- I, I have that one listed as his best throw of the day because that was the one time where you got to really see him plant his feet and drive the ball. Yeah. And that was a laser beam throw. I, I'm still not sure how Carnell Tate didn't score on it because it seemed like he just decided I'm just going to get tackled. Yeah, um, he put both <laughs> arms around the ball when there was like yeah. nobody within two yards of him. Yeah, yeah. And Hart, Brian Hartline, like after the play, like went over to him and was like, why are you stopping? <laughs> yeah, I think he could have split those defenders and certainly got more yardage than he got. But you know, he's a freshman. We'll, we'll little Six, slide. Sixty-four yard play or something, and you, you know, I'm not complaining. A beautiful throw and great. Uh, that maybe the best ball he's thrown all year, as far as just yeah. being in rhythm and you know, in time and in 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 the guy's route. So, good, good um, ball. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I liked that Kyle ran it on that one keeper. I like the QB sneak, certainly like Devin's running of the ball. This, you know, the fumble was a bad, but that was like a. I don't think that was a case of Devin being loose to the ball. That was like like a guy like perfectly hit him with his helmet on the ball, and sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, I like the red zone and a bad bounce because how does Down Hayden not recover that? Yeah, football? yeah, right, right. So that, so that's a little a little weird there. Don't really hold that against him. The the one thing I guess I'll say about the quarterback play before we move on is. I feel like the delay of game penalties, I I don't know what the problem is, but my read from Ryan Day is that he wants Kyle McCord to operate with a little more urgency. Because at one point I was playing amateur lip reader and it sounded like he said, like, I don't know if he said, like, why is he or why are we so effing casual? Is why I, I, well. Yeah, I saw another one that said snap the effing ball. Yeah. Um, so somewhere in between that (laughs) and Austin and I were trying to figure this out on the car ride back. And it's like Ryan day, uh, right before the, the delay game in the second quarter, I'm a cord that allowed Purdue to get the ball back. And after the holding penalty on Josh Simmons, which I don't know, that was really a holding penalty, but whatever. Um, it seemed like Ryan day was very, very mad at Tony Alford and, and Justin Fry for things. And I wonder if that was slowing him down getting the play in, like, or if Kyle McCord is just being too casual. I think there was some, there was, and I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm going to say this, I'm not really trying to pin it on any one player, but like they didn't come into that game, I think, with the plan of like rotating Dallin Hayden and Xavier Johnson a lot. And it did feel like there were a couple of times where they were trying to figure out which of those two should be in the game. And then for Xavier, especially because like he's a receiver. And from what we've been told, actually doesn't do a whole lot of stuff with the running backs. He's like mostly a receiver. He was like having trouble figuring out which side of the formation he had to be on, like which side of Kyle McCordy had to be on. And I think they got a delay a game penalty one time because of that. So, which is like, that is at least I think somewhat understandable. But yeah, Ryan Day definitely got, got after Tony Alford. And I couldn't tell if he was going after Justin Fry or the signal, signalers in general. But yeah, he was like marching down the sideline. You could like see him in the screen. If you're watching the game, like stomping his feet and throwing his hands around because he's mad they got another, another delay a game penalty. Yeah, I don't know how much different a twenty to nothing halftime or why a twenty to nothing halftime lead would feel so much worse than a twenty-seven to nothing halftime lead. But like, 
I think that he really, really wanted that additional possession and to score. And it's not that they didn't score. It's that they went out there and for the first time all half didn't look like they had any idea what they were doing on offense. Yeah. Well, you don't want like score every time you have the ball is something that Ohio state has done in the past, but I think it's an unrealistic expectation, but you certainly want to be able to move it a little bit on that drive. It was like, Long completion negated for holding a drop and the delay a game penalty. I think it was like a three play drive that had negative net yardage. Like you, you, know, you, don't, want, you don't want that. Uh, running backs, what do you got? Um, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to let my eyes deceive me. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. We only saw Dallin Hayden. I mean, Dallin Hayden had more carries a year ago than than. Uh, um, Trayvon Henderson did, and for the most part, and the trip, you know, Trey was playing with the injured foot, and I know that, but I thought Dallin acquitted himself pretty well as a true freshman a year ago, and put, made himself a player that heading into this season we expected to see in the rotation because there were meaningful reps that he played a year ago, and he excelled in them. Um, we've heard all the talk all the time, and they always say it whenever he gets into the game. Well, and he took care of the ball, big thing, which is. You know, boop, 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 boop. like they're saying that because generally speaking, that means he has trouble with that maybe in practice, but he's never had trouble with it in the game. So I don't know that you should care about it that much. Um, but you talk so much about Ohio State wanting to, or maybe being better at running a gap scheme in as far as the offensive line. And I am certainly no professional at this uh, when it comes to evaluating what a running back, like he looks much more comfortable in that gap scheme of offensive line blocking than anyone else on this roster does. And it just looks obvious to me. Yeah. I mean, he, he just like found the crease every time. And that, like, that's what he did more often than not last year. I think if you take all of Dallin's reps from last year to now and compare them to the healthy reps we've seen of Travion this year and the healthy reps we've seen of Chip Train on this year, I think Dallin's are better. And I don't know. And like they're close and Travion gives you a little something different and Chip gives you a little something different. I'm not saying get rid of those guys and only give the ball to down. I'm saying like all three should be able to coexist. And then Maya Williams can give you a little bit of something too. Maybe I, I, I just don't know why he can't also be part of the plan. And it's odd to me that they came into the season wanting to redshirt him. And I think it's obvious after watching this game that that should no longer be the case. Cause I think he's exactly what they need at running back. He just has good vision. So, and he's, and he's not going to be there till 2026. So who cares? Yeah, that that also. Um, so, like, I thought the position had a good game because Dallin Hayden, I think, played really well. He wasn't like he had a couple one yard runs. Um, it wasn't like every one was awesome, but he had uh, like four 10 yard runs. I think they had one 10 yard run last week. I think they had four in this game and they were all from Dallin Hayden, I believe. Maybe one. Yeah, I really liked what Dallin brings. And I think at this point, when you're dealing with the running backs, again, the injury issues notwithstanding, none of these guys are in a position where they're going to be up for the Heisman or the running back of the year in the big tent. Like if, if each guy gets six carries a game, who cares? Like get the guys in there that are doing the best that are taking care of the football that are seeing the field the best that day. Obviously there's, there's differences in each player. Okay. We know that Travion Henderson is a more explosive player than anyone else in that group. We know that Dallin Hayden, I'm it's, I know it and I'm not a running backs coach or whatever, but he clearly has the best vision of any one of those running backs in seeing the way that the, the offensive line blocks and in, in getting to the holes. That's probably because he grew up in a family full of running backs and he's, his dad's a former NFL running back. And like you, you, you learn this stuff. Okay. It's not like it's all instinct, but then the instinct to just find a way to get to that crease or to get 
three yards out of a one-yard play as, as opposed to getting one yard out of a three-yard play, which is, I think, what Dallin does the best. Um, Chip, I, I like a lot of what Chip does. Like, I think there's a there's a role for him, and I think there's a role for Mayan, too, inside of the 15 or 20-yard line. Get him down there. Uh, I, Dallin obviously needs to get better at pass pro and doing all the other little things that are involved in being on the field, but you're trying to win a national championship, play the best damn players. Like, there is no excuse at Ohio State to say, well, we're going to think ahead here. Um, and in 2026, in case this guy's not going to be there. So why are you worried about that? I think I think it, it turns out that there's not there's not one guy in that room, I think, that gives them everything they need, or else that one guy would be getting 25 carries a game. They all give you a little – even if I want to be like fairly critical of Dallin Hayden, right? He had two long runs where I thought maybe he could have tried to score, but instead he just like ran on a straight-line angle to the side sideline like once he got through the first level and second level he's like all right i'm here i'm just going to keep going straight until i can't run anymore or someone hits me and i think like travion henderson or even maybe chip Traino might try to make somebody miss yeah or they run by somebody and try to score yeah, yeah. like Dow- Dallin at the second level like probably needs to add that to his game a little bit which is fine he's a sophomore hasn't played a ton even though uh we like what he's done in his body of work but yeah. I think you want the guy who's like going to get you five and six regularly. And that looks, I, I don't know. It's hard, right? Cause Purdue's run defense is bad. I think that is an important part of this discussion, but it just looked really good. And I don't like as uh, maybe that's just coming things coming to a head and, and playing the right team at the right time. as You're trying to get stuff figured out, but it, it felt like more than that to me. It felt like Dallin Hayden is, is a good fit for what they want to do and they should use them more. Yeah. I'm trying not to be a slave to the moment, um, but it, it seems different to me when he's running the ball and, that's not just this week. It's not just because it was Purdue. It was different last year. So yeah. that is the you know the thing to me. Like I, I don't I don't have a personal investment in any one of these players getting more carries. I just think it looks like the offense has a better flow to it when he's in there because as I said, I feel like a lot of times the Ohio State running backs are really good at getting one yard where three yards is available and Dallin is good at getting three where one is. And that's that's what I want. Yep. Um Good job by Xavier Johnson stepping up into a role he probably was not prepared to take on. I would like to see them do some of the stuff that they were doing with him with Travion Henderson whenever Travion gets back because I think that could be fun. I like the way that they had at times like the the running back down or or, or um, Chip in the backfield and then they would motion um, the Xavier into that spot and move that guy. It felt to me like more what the Niners do with like Debo Samuel, where you just get a guy moving all around and it forces the defense to just pay attention to a lot of different things. And I thought that was really good. I, Xavier Johnson, Austin's made a really good point about this the last couple weeks. He does not need to be a gadget player. Like you can just get him to football any way you can. And he's going to get you yards. He's a really, really efficient runner with the ball. And I, I think whether it's in the passing game, whether it's, in the the jet sweep game, you know whatever it is, I think you can find a way to include him. And if it's in the running game, so be it. Like who cares? Just move I, the ball forward. Yep. Um, I think this this will encompass the receivers as well. That we'll talk about next, but just like I thought, just generally, this was Ohio State's best game in terms of like game planning. Some of that like movement you're talking about, just like getting guys in space, using motion as a weapon. They had the play where they like fake the run in a in a in a sweep with Xavier Johnson and then like Kyle McCord pulled it and like ran a little play under the flat and threw with the Xavier for 21 yards. I thought that was awesome. A couple of plays where they would motion Marvin to the backfield and then have him return to where he came from to get in space. Those were awesome. They both hit twice for, for, for big gains. So 
I hope that was Norm, like they had Norm on the touchdown that he dropped. Um, you know, doing that almost felt similar to the OKJ Hill play where yep. it's and he was open. Kyle needed to throw that ball sooner, and it That's ends right, up being yeah. it ends up being a drop on Marv, but Kyle needs to trust that he can get to the corner there and throw it a little sooner. I'd mention I did put in my notes the second and one, 14, 29, a second half. Uh so this is the second play of the half, really. The play designed for Xavier Johnson where it almost looked like setting up for a flea flicker down the road. I don't know if you noticed the 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 motion guy to the right, like stopped and then turned around and it almost looked like yeah, I did like, see that. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if that's setting something up down the road. But that that was a similar play design to the Stover touchdown um, in the red zone. So I, I, you can do a lot of different things. This team is so talented, and it's it's what drives me crazy is that I watch Washington State and Cam Ward, or you watch. Um, LSU with Jaden Daniels, and they're just doing a lot of different things. And I think sometimes Ohio State, like it's not being cute to do that stuff. It's like just using your weapons and saying you can't just line up and know what we're going to do. And I, I, it's my when you have Marvin Harrison, when you have guys like Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis coming up and Emeka Buka when he's healthy, like move these guys around, show get people confused. And I, I think sometimes, like I, I'm back and forth between Ohio State being too cute at times and being too just plain at times, but um, mm-hmm. like they're too cute in the red zone and they're too plain every other, and all the other time. Yeah, that's that's probably the, the right uh, analysis of it. I, I hope like because we've seen Ryan Day and whoever else is involved in the offensive brain trust at a given time do stuff like this before, like mostly as a change up, mostly as tendency breakers, mostly as things to get on film for like a big opponent coming up. And obviously they have a big one coming up this week against Penn state. I hope this was not that because like what I, I feel like what I saw against Purdue was like, yeah, that's, that should be, that's the offense do that all the time. That's great. I think that works. Yeah. Because so, normally don't you don't expect Marvin Harrison to drop three balls or all the other stuff. So the, the numbers would have looked a whole lot different probably um, if you let Kyle get a little bit more of a rhythm in that first half and he played fine in the first half. Don't get me wrong, but like the number, it could have been a, 34 to nothing game at the end of the first half if if the receivers had done their part. Yep. Speaking of, um, I, I mean, aside from the drops, I thought the receivers are good. I thought they blocked pretty well again on the perimeter. It's just like you get like Julian Fleming's first drop was bad. And then Marvin, I'm not worried about Marvin long term, but it was like weird to see him drop three yeah. passes. I felt like he should have caught. I have a theory that because of the solar eclipse and because of Marvin's extraterrestrial roots, mm-hmm. that there was some sort of like, mismatch happening between mm. his genetic code and the planetary alignment. And so I think that there's something that went wrong there. I just maybe maybe like he's powered by the sun and since mm. it wasn't out and then it was blocked out like m- maybe maybe that was the problem. I could see that. I didn't consider that. We should ask him about that this week. Yeah, I mean I'm not going to I'm not going to stress out about Marv like he comes out this week and drops three more balls against Penn State, then I'll 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 be like, well, that is really strange. You know how hard the kid works. Just sometimes you don't see it well. Um, I think sometimes the timing with Kyle is a little bit slower than maybe he thinks it should be, and mm-hmm. so the ball doesn't get there when he thinks it's going to be, and so maybe he def, you know turns his eyes off from the QB or something. I don't know. Um, but there there's clearly it's you'd think or people would expect that because these guys were high school teammates that like they would have perfect timing but they really they don't so well yeah well part of that's probably because the in between them being high school teammates and now marvin harrison jr got to play with like one of the best pure passers has ever been in college football (laughs) and he's expecting something a little different than what he's getting now 
I, I really hope that people change the way they view CJ Stroud's two years at Ohio State. Um, at least what he was as a passer. In, and I know that it's always linked to the records and losing to Michigan and that sort of stuff. But like, I, I do hope people appreciate exactly how good CJ Stroud was at Ohio State because he might be the best pure passing quarterback to ever play at Ohio State. Yeah, certainly at Ohio State. I think I think that's right. Um, I don't have anything else from receivers. Do you? No, um, Stover. You know, good job as always. He's it's crazy how dangerous he is as a passing threat. If really is. So Brock Bowers got hurt this weekend, and I don't know how how serious that is. Obviously, like he's the engine for the Georgia offense, and is probably going to win the Mackey Award. Let's entertain for a second that like Brock Bowers might miss a few games or whatever. Like is Kate Stover in that conversation? Just like from pure receiving production alone, because he's like he's pretty far up there among tight ends. I don't know. I think he like has a better number than Bowers, doesn't he? Yeah, I think overall he does. Yeah, but but Bowers has the name recognition. Yeah, yeah. I mean Stover plays for Ohio State. You figure people are paying attention. Uh, Let's have this conversation in a month. He had this. He started this way a year ago too, and then and then leveled off and didn't really finish the season well. But um, clearly. The the nice thing is that it's clear Calvin Cord trusts him because there were some throws. Um, again, the back shoulder one was a tough throw. The touchdown that that he threw just over the first one is a ball that I'm confident Calvin Cord doesn't throw two weeks ago, and I'm not sure he should have thrown on Saturday. Uh, Stover, like that's a one to me. Like I don't know if PFF is listing that as a turnover worthy throw, but if Kate Stover doesn't steal the interception away, it's a turnover. So. I don't, I don't know how they mark that, but he's got really good hands for a kid that is like known for being a gritty, you know, get in your face type player. And, and Cade, Cade changes the offense, period. Yeah. Brock Bowers does have better numbers than Cade, just so we can. How many? Let's, let's hear him. He has 41 catches and what? Cade has 23. 41? Yeah. yeah. He's their entire offense. He has four touchdowns as well. Westover has three. Yeah, well, that's yeah. And now Kate's getting in the end zone. Um, Bowers had four catches for twenty-two yards, and then I think hurt his ankle. Yeah, and he's off. Vanderbilt. George is off this week, so he gets a little bit of a reprieve. Um, just you know, we'll see if it ends up being an issue. George is off every week if you watch him play. That's what it looks like. Um, you know that they hadn't off- given up a touchdown to Vanderbilt in five years before yesterday. Before Saturday. I did not. I did not know that. No, that's a hell of a five story. years they had not given up a touchdown, and then they gave one up in like thirty seconds or something. Uh, offensive line. What did you make of their their evening or afternoon? I overall better, but again, this is like was it better because they were playing Purdue? Is it better because they simplified the run game? It was one of the things that I thought was interesting about Ryan Day's post game press conference. He basically said we we went back to day one install type stuff on the offensive line in the run game, and to me, like. I'm okay with that. You're Ohio State. You should be able to beat people by doing the basics. Um, and maybe that also indicates that they were trying to do too much with a group that really wasn't ready for it. Um, I don't know. Either way, I liked the energy I saw from them better on Saturday. I liked the way that um, when they were pulling, they were actually running to hit someone instead of just shuffling through the line like they didn't know where they were supposed to go. Uh, I thought Donovan Jackson played a better game, maybe his best game of the year. Um, Josh Fryer against outside pass rushers with a little bit of juice to them is now on my radar as a concern, uh, especially heading into a matchup potentially with chop Robinson this weekend. Um, I 
I don't like what I've seen in that instance the last couple of weeks from from Josh getting just guys running around him um, and causing fumbles. So that's a that's a concern. But overall, better game. I mean, again, I don't think it was a hold on on Josh Simmons. I think that was a bad call. Um, so the other penalty on, on them was a false start on Luke Montgomery, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it is what it is. But a better game than they've played. Uh, I thought like. We're six games in, right? So give me Western Kentucky as their best game of the year, and then this one probably second. But again, I don't know if it's because of the competition or what they're actually doing. Yeah. I mean, it part of it, I mean, it has to be part of the part of the conversation, right? It is the competition. But I thought like they were moving people in this game. They I thought they more or less controlled the line of scrimmage. There were like, I think there were two negative runs where they let a little bit of penetration through the right side of the offensive line, but every, every other run I think was for at least one yard and i think even like even those kind of runs like they've, they've had too many like one and two yard runs this year they didn't have very many of them yeah. in this game i thought you really like you you heard them hitting people on the gap schemes which i thought was good like matthew jones especially i thought he was he had a great game when he was pulling and hitting that guy on the end of the line, line of scrimmage i feel like you felt him doing that and they need more of that um the gap scheme stuff worked for them like i i went back and watched all of them like it including runs and play passes that they built off of those like pin and pull looks. I think they average like over 10 yards of play. So um, like teams might start scheming up against that now, but I thought it was a really good fit against this opponent one, but two, like just for this offensive line. Like I think we have enough um, evidence now that that, that is what suits them. So I thought the run, the run blocking, I think was maybe the best it's been all year. The pass blocking was largely fine. A couple of miscues there, like Josh fire got whooped on that one strip sack, but, but on a day where Purdue blitzed a ton, um, I thought they handled it pretty well for the most part. A couple breakdowns here or there, but nothing like overly alarming. But I also think like, oh, well, like throw it all in the trash because they're playing a di- totally different beast this week. And, and teams with elite pass rushers still sc- would still scare me. And Ohio State's going to see like three or four of them this, this Saturday. So I thought the interesting thing is like how they did in pass pro with a running back that hasn't been back there very often. And like, Normally, you could leave someone back there to help, and they weren't really doing that with Dallin. So it was sort of forcing McCord to read and react pretty quick. And, um, you know, I, th- I have listed on my notes that there's a third and one, nine minutes to go in the second quarter, where they really blew people off the line for, on a third and one for the first time, like all year. So um, that was a big play for me just to watch them get that push. And I, I said it last week. I'm, uh, I just wanted to see this group get confidence. And maybe it's, Maybe it's going to turn out to be fake confidence. Maybe it will help propel them to something better. Bottom line, you need to feel good about what you're doing on the field. And I think they can leave this game saying, hey, you know what? We, we made some steps. As you mentioned, Penn State is going to be different. Uh, they, are, they have elite edge rushers. So still not re- really impressed by them in the middle of their defensive line. But I know that Danny Diaz is going to blitz the hell out of Ohio State with Abdul Carter. Um, and their other linebackers. So uh, the Buckeyes will have to find some way to combat that. I think you could see maybe like a, a big game for Kate Stover in it because of that. But um, generally speaking, plus, you know, feeling better about the offensive line, but still on alert. Yeah, I, I, you make a good point about just like confidence, right? I, I think that does matter. And I also think too, like I, I don't, like Penn State's defense is, is excellent. Maybe it's the best defense in the country. I, I don't know. I don't think we can make that de- declaration just yet. But I feel like I've watched I would them like at to times see them play too. Someone with a pulse, 
Wonderful. Yeah, right, right, exactly. But but even even with that being said, I feel like I've watched a couple of games, Illinois and West Virginia in particular, where I thought both those teams were able to run it a little bit on Penn State. So obviously, I don't think anybody thinks that that is Ohio State's strong point at the moment, but perhaps this game is a good stepping stone to get them in a spot where they feel confident they can maybe run the ball a little bit against Penn State too and negate some of the impact that that defensive line could potentially have in that game. So it was good to get a game like this under your belt. I thought that the QB sneak, they moved people, which was great. Um, the uh, the th- one yard run touchdown from Dallin Hayden. I thought they got a, like a halfway decent push yeah. too with that on the goal line. So like that, and that's all good ground, to see. I don't care. Touchdown, they did a nice job. I mean, yeah. I like the idea of equating numbers down there. And I know Ryan Day has not generally been about that. That's an Urban Meyer staple, but you got to do, you got to find out some way to do that um, when people know you're going to run the ball. Watching the NFL, on Sunday, like it's not easy to score in the red zone, man. Like, and you, wa- I watch NFL teams. Uh, one of them, I believe, is is one of your favorite teams. Um, coaching decisions, <laughs> co- coaches sometimes do dumb things, and yeah. sometimes you get you you think way more than you need to. It's third and ten, for example, with a minute forty to go, and you're down by um, you know six points, and you decide to throw a two yard stick like what are you doing and then fourth and eight you decide to throw a 50 yard bomb to the smallest receiver on your team uh in the triple Triple cover like sometimes coaches outthink themselves ohio state needs to stop doing that for the sake of their offensive line and just let them go out there and body some people all right let's go over to the defense uh what did you think of the defensive lines day Pretty freaking good, man. Like, I, and I know this, the running game numbers are going to look a little weird because there were a couple drives where, for whatever reason, Ohio, I think this, the last drive of the first half, the, the Purdue ended up uh, fizzling out and missing the, the chip shot field goal after the first and goal from the one. I just don't think Ohio State thought they were going to run the ball at all in that drive and like was in drop eight and just Purdue was like, okay, we'll just, you know, you get a 15 run from, from the quarterback, then you get a 20 yard run and another 20 yard run. Um, but generally speaking, when when the game mattered, when it was like going, when it when it was actually a game, uh, I thought the defensive line dominated. I don't know what Tyleek Williams is doing to do what he's done this year, but it's it's the crazy things like the the pass deflections. I mean, every game he's knocking down. He's six foot one. Okay, it's not like he's six six. He's six foot one and like three hundred and thirty five pounds, and. Uh, what does he have like a 40 inch vertical like i, I don't yeah is he, good, is good he, timing, i think he's he's a really good athlete but i think more than that he's he's learning how to be patient in his pass rush and and realizing that on third down getting to the quarterback is probably not as likely as finding another way to impact the play and like that sort of maturation is really important to see um i thought jack sawyer played a really good game maybe one of his best of the season um I, I I want to see more out of Caden Curry in the run game. I, I don't. I think sometimes he he's so aggressive that he washes himself out of those plays. Um, and I want to see Mitchell Melton on the field. Uh, every time he's on the field, I see him flying around and making an impact. And I'd like to see how Ohio State can use him. But a it's an A game. I did. I did you got a snap count for Michael Hall? I, I felt like he didn't play very much. Uh, I looked earlier. Uh, I think it was like forty something. I'll I'll look here. Um, I know Tyleek played forty one. Tyleek played forty one. Mike Hall played thirty nine. Oh, okay, well, maybe he just wasn't as impactful. But um, 
I felt like he was getting like pulled down to the ground a lot. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how teams are allowed to hold the Ohio State defensive line, but whatever. Um, that's not that's been that way for twenty five years, so it's not going to change. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said, Tyleek. So Tyleek had two to pass deflections, and on the one long reception that Ohio State gave up, the thirty five yarder, it was like a slant, like behind Steel Chambers. Tyleek was very close to getting that one too. Like that that play almost unravel before it started so he's been great um later today doug and i are going to have kings of the north and we're going to do our re-ranking of the top 15 players in the north and i'll just spoil it by like tyleek did not make the top 10 but i voted for him in the top 10 i think i had him like eighth seventh or eighth on my ballot i think he is playing like one of the best tackles in the country right now um you feel him for sure yeah uh, i i did make a note uh jt spin move once again uh success hit home gets a sack on it He's really quick. Like when, when he he yeah. is a freaky freaky athlete, and I, again, I don't think the way Ohio State utilizes him allows him to put that on display all the time. But when he gets a chance to just do it, he, he's he's special. Purdue came into this game without its starting right tackle and was playing two different guys there for stretches of the game, and then also lost its starting right guard. And I came into the game thinking that JT was going to line up over that side of the line for the entire game. They didn't really do that, which was like a little surprising to me. But he still played well. Like Jack got his sack against one of the right tackles they had they had in there, and just like made that guy look silly. Um, it was an overmatched offensive line. This this was probably. Uh, I don't know if it's the worst offensive line they played this year because they did play an FCS team, but a short of of Youngstown State, this might have been the worst line that Ohio State's seen, either them or Western Kentucky. So you want them to look dominant, and they did look dominant. So I guess that's the best thing you can say about them. But I thought I thought that that they seem to be because I would include last week in this too. Like I know that the sack numbers are not astronomical, but they really do seem to be getting into the backfield a whole lot more than they were earlier in the season, which I think is a good sign. And Purdue deserves some credit. Early in the game, they came out tons of misdirection, ways to make Ohio State sort of freeze in their in their footsteps. And, and that Mockaby kid's a good player. That running back is he's he's solid. I mean, he was, I think he was second team All Big Ten a year ago. So you know that he's got some some giddy up to him. And Hudson Card's a gamer, played really tough. I mean, he was certainly not um, in a position where he had any opportunity to beat Ohio State. But he, I did like what I saw out of him. I, I wouldn't throw them to the trash heap. I think Purdue will be a good program. And kudos to them. Austin mentioned it on Snap Judgments or the Notebook or one of those videos on Saturday, but like they did a really nice job with the stadium and making it feel much more like a Big Ten venue. So it actually wasn't godforsaken awful to be there on Saturday. Yeah, they like redid that whole open end of the stadium, right? There's like seats in yeah. the, and like the whole thing there. Yeah, really cool. Nice. Yeah. And that keeps uh, going, I don't know where the recruits come out. Good stuff. Good stuff. Linebackers, which now I guess is a trio of Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, and Cody Simon. I mean, Cody seems to be earning it. Uh, he yeah. played well. Uh, I like the way he gets downhill. I like the way he hits a gap. It was, it was, obviously, he's not a guy that they're going to trust a lot in pass, pass coverage. Um, but once more, I think we see with Steel Chambers in coverage. I mean, he had a nice play on the tight end on the first drive of the game uh, down the field on, on the little um, – like wheel or, or whatever they were running with a tight end there, but a uh, slot fade or whatever. And he just, mm-hmm. I think there's a way to make that sunny styles. I don't know why we just don't get to that point. Yeah. That I, I felt that last week. I feel it even more this week. I like Jordan Hancock and sunny Styles should just be on the field all the time. And sunny should be your will linebacker. And, and Jordan should just be your nickel. And that should be two of their 11. Yep. They're starting defense. That's, that's all. That's all it should be. I, I like <laughs> stop. 
thinking so much and just uh, I, are you telling me Sonny's not able to tackle people at the line of scrimmage because I've seen that he can uh, like I it's it, I like Steel Chambers I think he's a good player I think he played really well a year ago but this is a situation where offenses that you're going to play are evolving you're not going to be in a position really where you're worrying about like heavy run teams or that sort of stuff, heavy run fits. And it seems like Ohio state would prefer to put Cody Simon in the game in those situations anyway. So what's the problem? I think uh, Tommy was okay. I think Tommy had a better game than maybe he had the two weeks prior. Um, Steel to me seems a little, I don't want to say lost because that feels too strong, but I think teams are trying to isolate him and like get some things against him. And he's maybe not always delivering here. Like I thought that that long pass play again, I felt like Steele got caught looking into the backfield too much, and they just threw the slant right behind him, and then it turns into a 35-yard game because there's three missed tackles on top of that. So I think they're underneath zone droppers, maybe with like the exception of Josh Proctor, could all be a little better than they are right now, but I would put Steel Chambers at the top of that list. But aside from like a couple plays here or there, you know, I thought, like I said, I thought Tommy played played well, and I th- I think Cody like might have had like a, an abysmal tackling grade from PFF if you look at them, but I, don't um, I actually why. thought he had. A, yeah, he had like an okay game, I think. So I just think that Sonny's length in the middle there like makes him a much more difficult guy to throw into or to throw around. Like he and his quickness is next level. So um, I don't know. I, I, it's not a knock on Seal. Sometimes the things evolve and the defense needs to evolve with it. And I think we're seeing from the corners that are, you know, Jordan Hancock needs to be on the field um, and Sonny. At the same time, now I don't mean with Jordan on the outside, like we might see this week if Denzel doesn't play, but um, that's different, you know. Speaking yeah. of, well, I mean, we'll go to corners. Yep. Um, the 22 yard play by Purdue to get down to the one yard line at the end of the first half is another example. The second time this year where Jordan Hancock to me has just decided, I'm not going to let a play happen just because it's happening. Like, Ohio State's up 20 to nothing. Very easily could have let that guy just saunter into the end zone and busted his ass to get back there. Gets the guy down at the one-yard line, and they don't end up scoring on the drive. Very similar to me of the Western Kentucky game where he gets beat on a on a route by Blue Smith and then chases him down and causes a fumble. Like Those little plays, those effort plays to me, are so important for what this Ohio State defense is about. Ryan Day talked post-game about how they... You know, they never stopped fighting, but that started before they got down to the one-yard line. That was Jordan Hancock saying, no, I'm not letting him score just because I, I could take this playoff. Yep. Jordan Hancock had a great play. I think it was on the second Purdue second drive of the game where Ohio State's obviously a nickel, and Purdue tries to counter that by like putting one of its receivers in the backfield. So like they're kind of running out of like a two-back set because I guess the idea is if you – if Sonny's not in the game and Jordan's there in place, if you want to try to run the ball because you think Jordan maybe is not a as good or as willing run defender. So they ran right at Jordan Hancock, and Jordan Hancock came flying down the alley and hit the hit the running back at the line of scrimmage and stopped it for no gain. And it was like an awesome tackle. And it was a reminder that like he can play safety all the time if you want him to. He's not just purely like a pass situation like gadget kind of player he can be an every down nickel i think because he is willing to stick his head in there he is a good tackler he's a physical player um and that was a great play like i thought that was it was a little bit like a tone setting play i thought for ohio state's defense because purdue thought it had a mismatch and jordan hancock said no you do, you do not i'm going to stop you for no gain here it's the biggest difference to me between a year ago and now is, in defense is the physicality of the safeties and the corners they are hitting people just a lot more frequently they are where they need to be there. Denzel Burke again in this game. Like it's, I don't care if you give up a six yard slant. 
a six yard slant can't turn into a 13 yard first down. Mm-hmm. And Denzel has been great at that. And whatever the injury issue is, I don't know. I didn't see him get hurt on the field. I didn't see the replay. They didn't show it because Peacock was in a commercial or something for that entire fourth quarter. Um, Davis and Igbenosin, like I, my note says he's so close to being really, really good. Like, <laughs> like he's so close. He, he He's so close. And I, I think that you can see exactly what he can be down the road, but teams do continue to pick on him just a little bit because I think he's afraid to be as physical as he wants to be because he's maybe got a little gun shy with some penalties he picked up earlier in the year. But, um, and then you got Jermaine Matthews, who has earned reps, man. Special teams player of the week by Ohio State's um, vote. And and you look at what he does when he's out there. He looks comfortable. And when when Denzel Burke went out of the game, Hudson Card and Purdue went immediately at Davis and Igbenosin on some verticals. Um, when they, when Jermaine Matthews is in there, they didn't. They tried it once, and it was locked up. And I just think that it's it's a really good sign for the future. Uh, but you really need Denzel back because he's playing like an All American. Yeah, well, it's a big spot for Jermaine Matthews if he has to play this weekend, obviously against Penn State. I don't, I don't think Penn State's receivers terrify you, but you know, you don't, you don't want to find out how good Jermaine Matthews is, or like, I guess in a game like this. But I, I think he can hold his own. Like I'm confident in him. I'm fairly confident in Davis Nguyenosen too. Like I, I thought the times that Purdue did challenge him, he was fine. He plays off coverage a lot, so like if he's going to give that cushion, then he just seems to make the tackle, and I do think he makes that tackle more often than not. My only complaint, I guess, with him from this game was like on the touchdown. He got beat on the slant, and like I thought, it was weird that he wasn't playing with inside leverage. Like he was like kind of playing it straight up, and kind of gave up the the easy yeah. access to get that slant for the touchdown. Um, I don't know if that's like a coaching point or that's what the call said to do. Like he almost he came very close to like deflecting it before the guy caught it, but I just thought that was like an odd way to play that. But he maybe he was told to do it that way. But I thought the corners played well, um, and I thought the safeties, aside from like an untimely missed tackle or two, played well too. The, the Drive, I think, when Purdue did score, or maybe it was, I can't remember if it was the drive where Purdue scored or, or the drive at the end of the first half when they should have scored and didn't score. Like, Lathan Ransom came flying up the field and, like, took himself out of the play and, like, let a run get out. But yeah, that's that happened was, so that rarely. This year. Yeah, that's happened so rarely that I'm not, like, concerned about it. But if we're nitpicking a group that's played very well, there was, like, a player two I thought where they could have been better. Yeah, Lathan has proven to be so good at getting downhill and making those plays at the line of scrimmage. I think sometimes he just. Like I'm gonna do it every time, and like yeah. maybe it's not necessary to do it every time. You go uh, Leroy Jenkins style. Yeah. yeah, I mean Leroy Roker, future future Ohio State safety. Leroy Roker. Um, overall, I mean it. Again, pulling myself away from the game and post snap judgments. Uh, uh, you know, I was moist. I was very moist at the time, and no one likes to <laughs> give thoughts when you're moist. Okay, it's not a fun way to live your life. No one, no one should ever be asked for their opinion about something when you're legitimately moist, right? Like, sure. and that's my fault. I should have said, "Listen, we're gonna, I'm gonna dry off, and then I'll give snap judgments." Presented by Buyers Auto at that point, dry I, judgments. You want, yeah, you want dry I, judgments. I was yeah. still moist, and I, I didn't feel like I was, I was, I was frazzled, honestly. Um, yeah. But, I, I, we leveled out. We leveled out towards the end. Okay. And that, that's what was, that was important. And now here we are that today. Was, incredibly even healed. That's right. Even. That's right. It was and a then good it was, roosters, man. Roosters, 1145. Kings of the North. Yep. 
Big day, big everything. Day, big day. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be a big day. Um, excited for this week of coverage. It's a big game, like when there's a big game on the docket. Um, and it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested in like the tenor of this week because uh, I think it's going to be like a really tight, like super nervous kind of game. Um, yeah. Without giving away my my pick is yet, but like I, I wonder if the week's going to feel like that. I imagine it will. Um, and yeah. that's just what Ryan Day does now like it's not a negative it's not a positive it's just i I think he allowed he talks himself into believing that every game that against these teams has to be a tight game and maybe it does because it'll it'll work that way out naturally but to me i don't i don't like psyching yourself up into thinking something is has to be a one score last minute decision yeah oh i wanted to ask you something um this goes back to the offensive line, so sorry to go all the way back to this. But okay. does watching Notre Dame just like give USC's offensive line the business? Does that make you feel any better about Ohio State's offensive line? No, because uh, okay. USC's is awful. Okay, USC's <laughs> just is USC's is far worse than Ohio State. Um, I, I think what that game showed me is that a Kyle McCord did a really good job against Al Golden and Marcus Freeman. Um, not allowing himself to be taken out of rhythm or to get too far off schedule um, and staying within the confines of what the offense wanted him to do. Because the thing with a guy like Caleb Williams to me, and we watched it uh, on Sunday with with, uh, your Eagles, when you have a quarterback like that, they want chaos. (laughs) They want Mm -hmm. chaos. They want you to be undisciplined in your rushes. They want you to just chase them all over the place you can't if you just hem them in they're not nearly the same player as they are when they get a chance to freelance and um you know that that's what you have to do a player like Kyle McCord needs to be hemmed in and like I think that's (laughs) the best so um USC is gonna have some explaining to do because their schedule over the next five weeks is gonna be a doozy so you know, I'm not saying they can't still win a national championship. They're not out of the playoff picture by any stretch, like nothing like that. Uh, I don't even think Caleb Williams is out of the Heisman contention at this point. I think that will come down to Michael Penix versus Caleb Williams in a few weeks. But like that was that was an exposure of what uh, Al Golden and Marcus Freeman did to to, to USC. Yeah, that team's cruising for four losses, and I'm I'm here I'm here for it. Let me tell you, because uh, they're not good, and I'm sick of people telling me they are. So it was fun to watch. Uh, okay, anything else before we wrap up here on this episode of the day? No, um, I'm positive. We're we're heading into a bright, sunny week. Positivity all around. I'm sorry, people. I don't mean to be negative post game, but I ask you. I ask you, please try to put yourself in my shoes that day. It's cold. I'm moist and carrying around 50, 40 pounds of camera gear all day long. Hands are all slippy. Camera's all foggy. Not great. It's not great. I don't get to sit up in the press box and have a brownie. You know, they didn't. Have, we didn't have food. They had a, a they had a thing of water for us. Not the ideal situation to give a objective thought. So sorry if I. Well, was you know uh, where it'll be dry and where there will be food later on today. Roosters. Roosters. Eleven forty-five a.m. Roosters on Old Hanji River Road. Um, then Kings of the North. Then Tuesday we've got 
um, all the normal stuff that goes on the press conference at Ohio State. It's going to be a fun week, big week. This is landmark number two on a season that uh, has three of them, and here we are. Yep, excited to talk about it more throughout the week here on the podcast. Uh, until then, uh, this has been a daily for Monday. I'm Bill. That's Berm. Thanks for watching.